So good morning, WFR, uh, Mike and Al, coming back again from the quarantine. You, I've now allowed you into my secret bunker, Kelly. <laughs> this is this is this is an enclave that no one knows about. Well, I'm I'm honored. Uh, <laughs> of course, see, I, I had to hose him down with Clorox before yeah. I let him in. So. Well, that's Susan's making me change clothes every time I come home. Uh, and uh, wash everything, make sure, you know, we're all all good and clean. I bet the first time she asked you to take your clothes off outside, you were oh, getting I was excited. excited it was like, then, you know, he, he thought he was going to be part of the corona baby boom. Yeah, that's that went happen. downhill fast. So. <laughs> At our age, that's what happened. So uh, it's, it's great because um, Kel and I are excited about coming to you together. Obviously, it's a little more uh, conversational style. See, Kelly gets pretty fired up. You know this, WFR. You know, Kelly gets to preaching. <laughs> You know, he gets he gets loud, and when he gets loud, his voice goes up uh, an octave or two. You know, you you get you know you get out. Uh, it the, gets a little high. It gets you know. higher. You know, it's just an Arkansas twang gets to going in there. <laughs> and so, some of you have told me. Bill Smith used to tell me this. I think Rudy Burns told me that he, they can't always hear. <laughs> so, like you you find some range. I figure it must yeah. be the Beth Burns range. Yeah, I get up into the <laughs> myself or Rudy. I get to that Beth range, and he, and he, he, cannot, he can understand well, it. Well, he's, he's learned how to ignore her for years. <laughs> so that's it. so we love you, Rudy and Beth. I'm sure you're watching. But we're going to try to keep Khaled in the in the lower range today while we share. So I tell you what, though, so sometimes it's, it's hard because uh, when you're studying the book of John, and it's a book written about causing people to believe in Jesus, who he is, it's pretty exciting. It is. And today's story, to me, Al, has a lot of excitement for it. There's a time, you know, we need encouragement during this time. We're all uh, stuck at home, and uh, uh, the uh, the uh, shouldn't be isolation, uh, because we don't want to ever be isolated from other people. We sure. still have connections going on. But this uh, social distancing, this kind of thing that's taking place, it, it can be a challenge to... Uh, to your heart and your spirit in terms of staying encouraged. Well, and the good thing for our church family, another thing to know is that, like, so we've got our WFR family that's, you know, tuning in, obviously, that's here locally. But then we've got a lot of folks, uh, partly because of our Unashamed podcast, that are checking us out. There's uh, Chelsea from Nashville. Uh, I know she's going to be watching today, and, and she watched last week, and so she had never seen a any of our live stream before and she just made some decisions about uh, turning to christ which is fantastic mm -hmm. and awesome and so we're glad for you chelsea and the, the life change you're committed to but she sent me the a really great email this week and she said you know i i loved the, i loved your sermon i loved everything on the what you guys were doing on the live stream and she said it felt like your church hugged me mm -hmm. uh through the live stream and and i think it's because of the comments and ryan and you know what we've been doing but I love that. Don't you love that, WFR, that we want people to feel like that when they're here? But even when we're going out, you know, live stream, we're talking about what people are saying on Facebook or whatever. We want people to feel that hug. That's what we do. You know, yeah. we love folks. Because, you know, it feels bad anytime you're ostracized. Anytime you're set aside, you're, uh, people don't want to have connections to you, those, those kinds of things, that feels really bad. And in this story, I've, I've thought about that. This woman that we're going to talk about, this Samaritan woman, had all those kind of things going on in her life That's about right. people not wanting to be around her because right. of her situation, because of her, her sin, and especially in her encounter with Jesus. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting story. She was, uh, she was doing social distancing big time uh, in her day. So we just want to encourage you guys right off the bat. We know this has been crazy. It's hard to believe we were three weeks in now to this sort of, you know, crazy lifestyle that we're all having to live and, and isolated. We know some of you are probably getting depressed, probably a few arguments here and there because you hadn't spent this much time around your spouse. And we just want to encourage you to use this time for spiritual growth 
you know, maybe there's some old wounds that, you know, you need to work through. Maybe it's just been a time. I mean, I've played more games with my grandkids, you know, these last couple of weeks than I have probably their whole lives. And so there's been some good discussions and some good things happen. So I think we just have to turn that into a positive. So I just want to encourage you guys for that. Um, we're in John 4 uh, today, as Mike said, and sort of as to get us where we are. You know, we talked about John the Baptist making this great proclamation uh, that he made that Jesus was the true Lamb of God. Uh, we had a wedding uh, where we had, the, I call it the divine winery, Mike, uh, and you did that uh, lesson about the, the when Jesus turned the water into wine. Uh, last time we talked about from John 2, the temple uh, tantrum, and uh, that Jesus had a hissy fit. Uh, Mike also talked about Nicodemus and that proclamation. So all those things have happened in the book of John to sort of get us to this point. And I thought it was really interesting, Mike, when you were talking about Nicodemus, that, you know, it was a, this secret clandestine meeting because, you know, he didn't want the other Pharisees to know. He was like talking to Jesus, you know, so he had to come under the cover of darkness. But then Jesus made some amazing proclamations to Nicodemus. Well, he really did because in the process of telling him you have to be born again of the water and the spirit, this is where we find this context, the, probably the most well-known verse in the Bible, Al, that's right. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. And all of a sudden, it doesn't really, it doesn't feel like it hits him yet, but to the Jew, loving the world was not a good idea. And then whoever believes, they, when, when they heard him say this, all they thought was the Jewish people. We're born into the kingdom. We're the ones God loves. We're the chosen ones. So all of a sudden, uh, Jesus is expanding this thing, and they don't quite get it yet. But boy, in this chapter, he shows it for sure that he loves the world. And it goes way beyond the Jewish nation. That's right. And Jesus is pacing himself. There's a timing issue going on here. So we get to verse 1 of chapter 4. And it says, the Bible says, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. And look, that's not a good thing from their perspective. You know, they're like, wait a minute, who's this guy? You know, because they were already trying to, you know, stamp out John the Baptist. Now they've heard this about Jesus. So Jesus isn't quite ready for the full revelation yet. So, although in fact it was not Jesus who, who was baptizing those disciples, John would say, so he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. So basically, he had been down the region with Jerusalem and the whole thing at the temple. And now he's basically going back, sort of back to the, to the hideout place in Galilee, uh, which is, um, you know, where he's from. And then in verse 4, it says, now he had to go through Samaria. And that's a problem for Jews because they didn't like going through Samaria because it was full of Samaritans. Uh, and there was a lot of issues. We'll talk more about that in a minute. So he came to a town in Samaria uh, called Sychar, uh, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. Now, I thought it was ironic that Jacob, this was his well. And, you know, out of all the patriarchs, I've always seen Jacob as kind of being the most troubled. Uh, you know, I mean, everybody had issues. Abraham had some Isaac, but Jacob had a lot of trouble. You know, he had the, all the wives and all the blended family and, you know, had a lot of issues. So it was kind of ironic that this first encounter with the Samaritan happened at this place that's famous because of Jacob. So the Samaritans were kind of a mixed mash group of people. You know, at one time that was northern Israel, which is the, kind of the top, you know, ten tribes. But they split, you know, after Solomon's son split the kingdom. And so at first, you know, they were holding their own in, in terms of Judaism. But, of course, it didn't take long before idolatry comes in. And so, 
you know, when you go back and study and read about Elijah and Ahab, I mean, things got bad in Samaria. And it then became like this false place of worship because they were supposed to go to Jerusalem every year, you know, for Passover. We talked about that before. But now all of a sudden they've got this separate place in Samaria. And so we get all sorts of crazy things that begin to come in. So they wound up being an accursed people. Um, they were taken out in 721. Uh, they were overrun. And so you had a lot of issues. And God basically told the Jews just avoid the Samaritans. And so that's, that's kind of the setup for this woman. So in John chapter 4, verse 7 through 9, it says, It was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? As disciples, they'd gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So during this time, there's great prejudice that exists between the Jew and the Samaritan. Uh, I mean, I can't tell you how terrible this prejudice is. It's as bad as anything we experience today in our history in terms of prejudice. Uh, they wouldn't touch or especially use any kind of utensil. Uh, the Jews wouldn't that the Samaritan had touched. Uh, great prejudice. Uh, and this woman had even more than that going on. She had some great problems in her own personal life, too, that made her even uh, on the margin with her own people. And so she's coming at noon uh, to fill this water jar when uh, most of those ladies would come early in the morning. Uh, I suspect she didn't uh, want to hear the gossip and the talk, all that took place around her and her life. But you think about Jesus' approach to her. She was the wrong race, she was the wrong gender, and she was the wrong religion. Now, to the Jew, they wouldn't have anything to do with her. And yet, this is the person Jesus chooses to talk to. This person who's out there on the edge of life. Uh, the Jews look down on all of these. And by the way, a lot of people still look down for, on folks for the same very reason. That's right. You know, I remember... Uh, uh, I wasn't here at the time, but it was in my lifetime at this church here. I remember the elders and others telling me uh, the history of this church. That at one time, at our church at Watchbury Road, a cross was burned in front of this building because we accepted people from other races to come and be a part of the church family. And that just doesn't, I know it's not right, but it just doesn't seem that long ago. Sometimes I think that was a long time, but when you think about it, that's within my lifetime. I know I'm getting old, Al, but still, that's not a lot of years that that kind of prejudice existed. Yeah. And yet I'm so proud that our, our church uh, dove in to loving everybody in the world. That's right. Every race, every gender, which is, of course, what the Bible teaches us. Basically, the, the word that came to mind for me, for this woman, is that she was a deplorable. Remember that phrase, that word that came out, that became... Uh, a phrase, and it, it was spoken by a certain woman politician, she who will not be named, <laughs> uh, who used that word about people like me and you, Kelly. Right. And, uh, but, but that was the idea, was that, you know, there are people are lesser, and even in a political sense or whatever. And so that's what happened here. I mean, Jesus was, would be considered ceremonially unclean. He wouldn't even be able to go into the temple if a priest or some other rabbi got wind that he was even talking to this woman, especially if he drank out of her jar, wouldn't happen. 
And so Mike is right. This is a great picture to me that Jesus shows us right off the bat. Because, look, he's just made this declaration to Nicodemus. And now he's going to go out. When he said, for God so loved the world, he meant it. And, you know, Nicodemus probably thought, what are you talking about? God doesn't, he only loves Jews. He doesn't love the world. And so the first person he runs into, this woman, he's going to interact with. And and racism, even today, it is, is still the despicable thing. You know, dad was accused of being a racist nationally, you know, when we had a whole big controversy. And it's one thing about being called homophobic and all that because of beliefs about the Bible. But it was, dad was so upset by it, and mom too, because he's not a racist. And well, it so, challenged his heart, the oh. sincerity of his heart. And we have, he has black grandchildren, you know, and, and so, and yet... That's what happened. And again, it's just the, the culture we live in. But this culture was, was all, it's always been around. And Mike is right. It's been strong. And so what we have to look at is say, look, it's divine appointment that the gospel is for everybody. And so this first thing you see is that Jesus recognizes that. And even though he shouldn't, quote, be talking to her, he does talk to her. And he makes a connection. And I love it. So, at, so when he, you know, she says this, she was like, "What are you talking about? I, you shouldn't even be talking to me." Here's Jesus' answer back to her. And Jesus is great about this. I call it a, a diversion, a directional conversation, because he's going to take her right to something bigger than thinking about what you know. I shouldn't even be talking to. If you knew, Jesus said, the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink. You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And of course, she's probably looking like, what in the world? What does that mean? Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? So she's looking at the well, and she's looking at this guy, and she's thinking, he's crazy. Are you greater than our father Jacob? Of course, the answer is yes. She doesn't know that yet. Who gave us the well? And drank from it himself and also gave it to his sons and his livestock. I mean, she goes back to the roots, right? I mean, hey, we got Jacob. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water. I love this. A spring of water welling up to eternal life. I love the way Jesus takes everyday things that people do yep. and he turns them into spiritual conversations. You know, whether it's, uh, uh, whether it's with Nicodemus or whether it's with this woman, uh, he takes, uh, and later on in John, the bread of life. Uh, and so he takes this opportunity from drawing water out to turn this water conversation into a spiritual life conversation. Uh, and this spring of water that, that's there, that's available, uh, it's there t- to bring life, physical life. Can't live without water. Got to have it, right? That's right. Uh, there's, a, there's a place out back home, uh, a little place called Raven and Springs, Arkansas. And my uh, folks in my heritage discovered these springs. And then a town developed around it. And they even built a hotel. And there at one time, there were, I mean, very populated people came from all over because they thought, there was healing in these springs. And so uh, there was one spring they thought that was good for the eyes. There was another spring they thought was good for arthritis. And so people would come there searching for a better life than they had by drinking this water. Uh, and uh, I thought about that. That's 
That's water to help them live. Right. If they really missed it, yeah. even if even if that was true and it helped, you, we're all still going to die, right? So that we're looking for a living water that's different. It's a, it's uh, We're never going to thirst again. You don't have to keep drinking from it. And it's something that Jesus has available, and he turns this little trip to the well into a conversation how she can find and be nourished by eternal life. Yeah. And this is the opportunity that he gives her in this conversation that he has. I like the, the New Living Translation. It's a little bit different how it reads in John 4, 14. It says, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And uh, it always takes me back to uh, whenever uh, the last house that Lisa and I built um, out in Calhoun. So we got to name the road. Uh, that was right next to it, which now a lot of, you know, Brahma lives out there in Lindy and a lot of, you know, at one time everybody were WFR members uh, on this road. But we were the first ones there, so we get to name it. So, you know, we're thinking, do we name it after one of the kids? Do we, you know, try to come up with something cool or whatever? And um, when uh, there was a guy that was building our pad, so we, you know, we hadn't even built our house yet. And we've been thinking about this. And so I, I, I look out there, Mike, and he's got like this big dozer. And so he, he he's you know, pushing dirt, and all of a sudden, there's just a geyser of water that goes up like 20 feet high, and, you know... It couldn't I, be oil. Yeah, right, I know. Water. I was hoping it was like I was going to get a whole Jed Clampett moment, but it didn't happen. It was just water, but I thought he, like, got into a water line or something, you know, I thought, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen now? This is going to cost me a ton of money, and, but it wasn't. He he had just run across a spring, and so that water shot up, so I, when he came over, he showed it to me, and I said, oh, look at that. I, I got this spring of water back here and so then that it just hit me i thought we're naming this road wellspring road is that's what it's called to this day and and the reason why was because of this verse like yes there was a, a water spring but the idea that we wanted this to be a spiritual so we built our house and you know we we write scriptures all over the the studs inside the house when it's being built in the concrete and i had smith come out and give me a blessing you know and our house church was there and so it was all great. And we thought, we want this to be a ministry house. What was ironic, though, was we did all this. We built it. We had the right things in mind. But Lisa wasn't right with Christ at the time. And I didn't know that. And even she didn't know it in the moment. And so the first couple of years that we were living in this house that was built for ministry, that we named our thing Wellspring, she was blinded. You know, she was like this woman in the story. And she didn't even know why yet. And so... The first two years we're there, I mean, Lisa is a well, year and two months. She's having an affair. And when all that blows up, and those of you that walked through that with us at WFR, you know how hard that was. And uh, Mike wasn't here at that time, but you were one of the first people that called me and encouraged me. And look, our lives just blew apart. It was terrible. What's ironic is the night it all broke, and she finally told the truth. And finally just, it was a, it was a wellspring of truth because it just gushed out. We call it now truth vomit, Kelly. It's like Psalm 51 when David just goes, Bleh, you know, finally just tells the truth. So that night, that's what happened. But she went out in the backyard. And so when we tell our story around the country, she tells us beautifully. She goes out in the backyard, very near where that spring was we found, that we named that road Wellspring. And she just collapsed. And she says, if I could have dug a hole to go even deeper, I would have. That's how low I felt. And she cried out to God. She said, I don't even know if you're there, but my life just ended because she was honest for the first time. She thought our marriage was over. Of course, 
the church. You know, the, all our friends were in the church. I mean, everything to her seemed over in that moment. And she cried out to God. And finally, it was the first step that would bring her to healing. And that was 20 years ago. And what's ironic now as I look back on it is the last 14 years we lived in that house, it accomplished everything we set out for it to do in the beginning. But it never happened until Lisa had an encounter finally with our Lord and Savior. And so that's why the story means so much to she and I because it's the first one. So look, this woman is the first of many deplorables that Jesus is about to run up on. And a lot of them are women. And in that culture, you know, nobody gave them a second look. And Jesus is like, no. When I have an encounter with you, things are going to change. And now eternity becomes a reality. And so for Lisa and I, our whole marriage ministry, our books we've written, everything we're doing in the country right now, we're doing because she had that encounter next to that spring of water. And now 20 years later, God continues to grow us. But it started with that first encounter. So this really became a wellspring of healing. Absolutely. And what I love about your story, or your Lisa's story, as well as the story here, is that no one is ever too far that God can't rescue them and bring healing. And so uh, this woman is about to discover that very thing. Because now all of a sudden there's this divine correction because she's still like, okay, give me this water so I don't have to come back to this well. And She's uh, still she locked in on that physical. Still yeah, hadn't yeah. quite got it yet. And so he says in John 4, 16 through 18, he told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus <laughs> said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. <laughs> so uh, I imagine it's quite a surprise to her, all of a sudden, that Jesus knows all about our life. And by the way, there's nothing in our lives that Jesus doesn't know about. That's right. We're not surprising God. Uh, with our personal life, uh, the, this virus around the world is not surprising God. Uh, nothing's surprising God. He understands. He sees what's going on in our life and in our world constantly. And so all of a sudden, this is a game changer. She realizes, hey, this is more than just a prophet. This is somebody very special uh, talking to me. I love the fact that he acknowledges her past, but very quickly she sees that her past is not going to be in the way of having a relationship even way farther than just a conversation with this one called Jesus. Don't you love it when Jesus just does one of these Jedi mind tricks? You know, like all of a sudden it's like, you know, he's just, we're talking about water and she's trying to figure it out. And I don't know. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, don't call your husband. You know, and he knows where it's going to go. And I love it because she tries to like pivot when he tells her this because he, he lays it out there. And, you know, she's thinking inside, oh, my goodness, how would he even know that? And then she comes back and says, sir, I can see that you're a prophet. You think, you know, yeah, yeah, he's a prophet. Our, and then so now she's going to go. So we got personal, right, which is when Jesus gets personal, people want to get all theological. We don't want to deal with my marriage issues. You know, that's why she was coming to the well at the hottest part of the day. So then she's going to look, she's going to pivot to some theology. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. So all of a sudden now we're going to do a little commentary about worship. I love it how when, uh, <laughs> when someone finds out, uh, uh, you know, that you, um, 
that you're a preacher or you're yeah. a minister. Oh, yeah. How sometimes their conversation changes. Because <laughs> I, I was on the golf course one time and by myself, uh, hunting for balls in the woods, mine. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I came up on these guys and they said, well, come join us, you know. And so one of them makes a bad shot. And so he, he lets some four-letter words go out, you know. It wasn't love and those kind of words. <laughs> so he's, he's uh, pretty disgusted. And then the next time we get ready to off, he said, uh, what do you do for a living? <laughs> so when I told him, all of a sudden, Uh-oh. his whole language changes. Yeah. And then he starts telling me about where he goes to church. Oh, and yeah. All these kinds of things. And, we got uh, real theological, didn't we? got real theological real quick. <laughs> and that's kind of what happens here with this woman. And she turns the thing to worship. And what's interesting, Jesus kind of goes along with her for just a little bit. Yeah. And uh, and teaches us some things here about worship, which I got a whole nother sermon with studying this one. I told Al this this morning when we were kind of going over our stuff. I said, Al, I've got to be careful. I'm, this worship stuff, I've got a whole. Uh, he starts giving his second sermon. I said, Oh, put that aside. Don't even don't <laughs> even mess us up. You day. save that for next time. Uh, but uh, <laughs> he tells her in verse uh, 18, woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming. When you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers, look here, the Father seeks. We usually think of worshipers seeking God. Jesus says God seeks worshipers. Right. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. It's not about location. It's not about the mountain. It's not about the temple. He said that the Samaritans, they were worshiping on the mountain. Somebody They didn't know. They didn't have the truth. They had the excitement. They had the, uh, we're at the right place. We're the right people. But they didn't have the truth. Then he says the Jews, well, they had the truth. They had the right place, the right people. They thought in their, in their minds, right? But as Jesus said many times, they were void of spirit and of heart. And Jesus said, worship is not about that. Worship is spirit and truth, but it's it's not just truth biblically. It's the authenticity of the person, the trueness of the person and the heart that he brings to God. And he said, this comes about because I'm here. I'm here in this time. And all worship focuses on who Jesus is. That's right. It's not about our likes. It's not about our dislikes. It's about who Jesus is and our decision to turn our heart and soul and a rational decision to believe in who he is, God in the flesh, that makes a difference here in worship. And I love it because he's continuing to build his case for this, for just what Mike just said, that he is God, that he is here for salvation. And so... We've seen him keep advancing the narrative, you know, because first it was like, well, he's the Lamb of God. And then it's like, well, he goes in the temple, and they're like, who do you think you are? What gives you the right to do this? Well, give us a sign, you know. And then he was like, hey, you destroy this temple, three days, it's back. Of course, he's talking about himself. They didn't get it. They didn't understand it. He get, tells Nicodemus, he's like, look, this is why I came. I came here to save the world. Nicodemus is like, what are you talking about? Now he's advancing it even more because he is just going against thousands of years of Jewish tradition that this is how you're going to worship. And he said, look, I'm bringing a whole new ballgame. Now it's going to be about me, and it's going to be about you directly. What he's given her the little hint is, is that now you, Mike Kellett, Al Robertson, 
will be temples. It's just not going to be built by hands anymore. And the Holy Spirit is going to dwell in you. And therefore, every single person, every deplorable, every PhD, everybody, no matter where you are on the scale, the spectrum, your race, your gender, your sex, any of these things don't matter. What matters is Jesus lives in you. And he does through the Holy Spirit. And therefore, that worship in spirit and truth is going to go back to him, which is what it should do. Whether we're together or whether you're in your home today worshiping our Lord and Savior. You know, uh, what's interesting here is this woman had a religious background. Even though she had all these failed marriages, failed commitments, and now she's living with a guy. Yet, uh, yet she still had a religious mindset in some areas of her life. That's right. And look, I was that way. I mean, I was raised going to church, Alan. I appreciate uh, uh, people who taught my Bible class when I was a kid. Uh, and uh, I used to say that I had a drug problem. My dad drugged me to church on Sunday morning. He drugged me on Sunday night, you know, <laughs> uh, that type of thing. But I went a lot, and I had a lot of religious information. And I was a pretty good debater. I could argue with guys pretty good. But the lifestyle didn't match up. I can remember sitting out at, uh, we used to go out to a river there, at Current River, I can remember sitting on the back of a pickup truck at Current River Beach, drinking beer and arguing the Bible. <laughs> but I could whip them with my information. And somehow or another, I felt good about that. And I thought, how ridiculous is that, that, that you can have religion yeah. uh, inside you to some degree, right. and yet your lifestyle doesn't match up at all. And that's, this is where this, this woman is. Sure. Uh, this is right where she is. What I love about this this text in John 4, and you're going to see this as we continue to preach through the book of John, is that we're going to just find one right after the other of people that, that have been rejected because of their behavior or for whatever reason, where Jesus says, no more. Everybody can come to me. He loves everybody. I mean, he was the author of No One Left Behind. You know, we talk about it being a school you know, situation, but Jesus was no one left behind. You have an opportunity. One of my favorite verses, and it's a whole context, but I just want to read you one little piece of it in Ephesians 3. It's this great prayer that Paul writes. Ephesians 3, 18, 19, to grasp, talking about us, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. What you were describing, Mike, is this idea about what we know. You know, we know this, and we know that, and we think we know everything. But Jesus' love, it's its beyond knowledge. I mean, it's so powerful. And you see there's four directions that Paul mentions. You can't get too far that he can't find you. You can't dig too deep, just like Lisa wanted to go underground. She couldn't go too deep that he couldn't pull her out. You couldn't be of the highest mountaintop experience that he wouldn't say, I'm here too. I'm here the whole time. And that's the whole idea. I love it because it's open for everybody. My favorite thing to hear locally about our church is that if you can't make it somewhere, go there. Because they'll take anybody at WFR. That's the love of Christ. You know, I had a guy one time who was working at my house. He was the local guy. And he didn't come to our church. But he would come to CR from time to time. And he said something amazing to me. He said, you know what? pastor he was calling me a pastor you know what pastor whenever i want to see jesus i go to wfrcr chip night and i mean you know i just it brought tears to my eyes because i mean i've been here and, and you've been here and to see those moments of people you know what happens when a redeemed life comes to christ when the love of christ now dwells 
or all these things you were trying to fill in there. And you just kept trying to fill in that hole and you couldn't do it until finally you realized the love of Christ will fill the hole. And so that's what you see and that's what he saw. And what, what a reputation. That, that's what I want to be known for is loving people. You know, I remember one time, because you're talking about basically breaking down these barriers of religion we put up ourselves sometimes that's in right. our own lives. I remember one time someone was being baptized here at Washbury Road, and uh, it was somebody that was a pretty new Christian, and, of course, uh, they didn't look like uh, a lot of folks here. They were tattooed all up. I mean, uh, earrings, nose rings, uh, looked like he fell out, uh, fell into a tackle box. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it went swimming in there. And so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so he's converted. Well, he's, he's in the baptistry baptizing. Somebody, some of his family came to visit, and so he's back. So I'm standing down there with uh, one of our elders, Randy Kirby, and Randy leans over and says, my clue is that baptized. And I said, I don't have a clue. <laughs> he said, you don't know? I said, no, I don't know. And so, uh, you, you know, in other churches, you know, like your leaders ought to know what's going on, right? And But I really kind of, then I thought, that's neat. Yeah. It's not about us. It's not about following our religious fences we built up or the barriers. Here's a guy that right out of his own conversion shares with his family. His family comes here. They're baptized into Christ. And I thought, what what a great thing that is. That sounds a lot like a story in, was it Acts 8, where guys are running along next to a chariot. And the guy's reading the scripture. And he's like, hey, what you reading up there? You, you want me to tell you a little bit more about it? Then they come to a pothole. And he's like, hey, what about here? Can we do it? And he just jumps off. That's what that describes. Yeah the gospel message and the power of the love of Christ and how it just changes. I love what the woman says after Jesus gives her this new information. And again, what's so powerful about it is he just does a game-changing message about worship, and he's doing it to a Samaritan woman, and no one else is around. And that's amazing to me. And so her response is this. The woman says in verse 25, I know that Messiah called Christ. And this shows you what she knew. She really knew. She she knew her stuff. She just wasn't living it. He's coming. When he comes, he's going to explain everything to us. So she's like, wait till Messiah gets here. I'm going to know all this stuff you're talking about. And she, she, of course, she doesn't realize here he is. And then he says in verse 26, then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Man, I mean, that's just one of those, Jay's calls them bumper sticker verses, you know. I mean, that's all of a sudden it's like, whoa. And she all of a sudden realizes for the first time, you're him? You're the one? And so, you know, I believe in her heart right then. We don't know her heart because we'll read another verse here in a minute. But I believe right then was kind of probably her commitment to change, like most of us. When we finally realize who Jesus is, like I described with Lisa, like I had myself in New Orleans sitting on the city street, when I finally saw him, I was like, I can't, I can't stay here, and I can't stay in this place away from Christ. And so for the first time, she now is hearing what he's saying, and it's, and it's penetrating. And so I think it's such a great lesson for us. If we will listen, Christ will lead. If you'll just listen to it. So you find yourself feeling lost about something, you're probably not listening to the Holy Spirit and to Jesus and where he wants to lead you. And that happens even when we're you know, everyday life. I mean, you know, even once we're Christians, we forget. Isn't that amazing that we would forget that the Lord can lead us where we need to go? But the leading uh, also is a process of teaching people. The disciples, they all of a sudden, they interject themselves back in. They show up. 
their own deplorable lies. Yeah, I call them the I call them the deplorable truth. You know, they when they show up, which yeah. is hilarious. And John four twenty seven. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised uh, to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked, "What do you want?" And why are you talking with her? At least they're learning to keep their mouth shut. They didn't ask you about that. They see it. They're surprised. They didn't ask. Usually somebody sticks their foot in their mouth. Yeah. Then the woman, she leaves her jar. The woman goes back into town and says to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And so her mess becomes a message yeah. for the rest of this you know, and, and there's some great stuff we're going to share that happens out of this woman's conversion. But we hope you're encouraged today by just this fact that this woman's life has been changed. We are children of God. God, for those of us that are believers and have embraced him, uh, we have faith in him. We've committed to life change. We've committed to make him our Lord. We've been immersed uh, in water, in baptism be able to then show the world that we are followers. All those things are there for us. If you've never done that before, we want you to start today. Why wait? I mean, this may be your introduction to the Savior. And so why you, you don't want to wait. Uh, you want to make that step just like she did in that commitment. So, you know, and if you're a believer uh, and you're just trying to hunker down and get through, you know, a pandemic, do so knowing that you serve a Lord that lives in you that changes you, and that wants you to follow him no matter what. You make the most out of every circumstance and every situation. We love you guys so deeply. I want to ask Mike to pray uh, for us as a people that we, just like Jesus did here, we don't want to miss any opportunity where we can help someone. So be thinking about how you can impact somebody, even in a quarantine, to make a difference. Father in heaven, thank you for our time together with our family, our forever family. Thank you for the word that your spirit gave us, this word of John 4. May we be open-hearted to your word that it may move in our lives and in our hearts. We may grow to become more like Jesus than ever before. Give us a heart like Jesus, Father, that reaches out to those on the margins of life, to those that other people consider untouchable. Help us to touch with the message that's changed our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What a great message. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Alan, uh, for sharing that with us in, in this time of, of uh, uncertainty. Uh, it's, it's nice that, that we have our leaders still, still dealing out the word and, and giving us hope on, on a weekly basis. I want to give a few shout-outs uh, before, we, before we get on out of here. Uh, first of all, Jeremy Shackelford, who is on our staff, of course, has been making all this happen. I also want to say thank you to Kyle Gilmore, who is uh, uh, on our One Kingdom staff and, and has made sure all the video looks as professional as possible. So thank you to those guys for making this happen. also want to say hey to Debbie Colvin, who has checked in. Hannah Day, all the way from Liberia. If you don't know Hannah, this is the beautiful daughter of Isaac Day. And I know she's watching. I want to say hey to you. Uh, keep going, girl. We're so proud of you. Uh, Cyrus, one of the graduates from the Restoration Bible and Agriculture Institute in Monrovia, Liberia. If you don't know about that, One Kingdom just released last week a video about that school. Uh, so go to One Kingdom's website to check that out. Also, Nathan and Avery Keene are watching from uh, Austin, Texas. William Burgess is in the house. Hey, William, how you guys doing? And say hey to Janelle. 
and of course my man Rucker, who who uh, made an appearance at, uh, at Friday night at CR. How you doing, bro? I love you. Uh, I saw that Josh and Cherry Hudnall checked in. Of course, they checked in late, so we see nothing else has changed during this quarantine for them. So thank you guys for being here. Uh, I want to also say, if you did check in late, this live stream service will be up on our, our Facebook page and our website uh, for the next week. So you can go back and watch it if you miss something uh, or if you're just if you want to tune in later. For those of you that are watching hours later, we want to tell you we love you, too. Uh, you can watch us at any time. Uh, Kurt Lively, I saw you checked in. Hey, can we all get like a collective Jesus going here uh, for uh, Kurt Lively? On the count of three, everybody, wherever you are, I want you to shout Jesus. Even our skeleton crew here, I want you all to shout Jesus here. Ready? One, two, three. Jesus! Woo! I love it. I love it. Kurt, we miss you. We love you. Uh, John Perky, thank you, man, for leading that song, The Doxology, which is, I know a lot of you guys who are familiar with Camp Chioka, you're like, man, I feel like I'm at camp right now. Uh, what a what an awesome uh, song. Perky's voice is what my voice wants to be when it grows up. Uh, so thank you, John. Uh, some new states checked in, too. Uh, I want to say what's up to Arkansas, New York, California, Oklahoma. By the way, last week, Kevin Neiman, if you're watching still, Kevin, tell your boys. Uh, they, they had a question, and I'm here to answer that question. Yes, I am wearing pants. So just wanted to let you know, I am wearing pants. Uh, North Carolina's checked in. Georgia's in the house. Minnesota, Illinois, go Cubs. Uh, and New Jersey, that's 18 states by my count. I'm sure there's some other states that maybe didn't say, but uh, we're, we're so glad that you guys have joined us. I want to tell you about a few things going on this week. Wednesday night, 6.30, peak of the week. Mike Kellett has been in First Peter and been given messages uh, from, from that. What a, what a great book and a timely book for what we're going through. So you don't want to miss that. Uh, Reengage is still doing an online uh, meeting, 6.30 on Thursday nights. And, of course, Friday night at 7 o'clock, no better place to be than CR. So make sure that you're, all of those can be found on our WFR Church uh, Facebook page and also uh, WFRChurch.org uh, for the, our live stream. Also want to give a special shout out to Lindy Loveland, Shelby Fortenberry, and our whole crew that are, that is taking care of our children during this time. Um, they have a YouTube channel. So go to YouTube and type in WFR Children's Ministry. And they have a whole page with a ton of videos. Alabama's on there. Mr. Billy is on there. Subscribe to that channel so that you'll get all their updates. And you can, you know, I know my boys were watching uh, Miss Shelby this morning, so uh, make sure that you're tuning in to that as well. Guys, again, thank you for being here. This message was was certainly timely. Remember that it's not about location. It's not about information. It's all about transformation. So make sure you're keeping it all about Jesus. Uh, I want to read you one more verse. Jaquita Jordan uh, uh, suggested that we read Isaiah 4031, which is a verse that uh, many of you will know. I'm actually, Jaquita, if it's okay with you, I'm going to read starting in verse 28. Uh, uh, this, is, this is such a powerful verse for this time. <clears throat> verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. 
That's our prayer for you this morning. I hope that you are renewed. Right now, I'm going to kick it back over to Mike, who's going to close us out today. Thank you guys again for being here. We love each and every one of you. Mike. It's uh, been so great to be with everybody this morning again. And uh, normally we have our invitation and response time. I want you to know you can still do that. Send your prayer request to us. Uh, uh, call the church office uh, if you want to talk to one of us personally. And, and we can pray together and, and spend some time together that way. Uh, but we want to stay connected uh, to each other and obviously, more importantly, connected to God. So we encourage you, uh, feed on all the good things that are coming out. I appreciate the creativity of, of uh, Lindy, our children's ministry, for your family, for uh, Ryan and, and others that are doing things online. Thank you so much uh, for all those efforts. Uh, don't forget, God is in control. And regardless of what's going on in our nation at this time or nations around the world, we can have full confidence in a God who loves us, has sent his son to die for us, was resurrected, and we have the greatest hope in the world. So we still have a good message to share. And even though it may be difficult to share personally, we can share it over the Internet. We can share it uh, uh, through text, uh, a lot of ways. Keep the message out there. Today we've experienced some worship. Now we also want to experience some witnessing of sharing the good news of Jesus. Uh, I want to uh, close us out with a scripture today out of 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And this can be a blessing to our forever family. And so I just want to read that to you uh, as we close today. Paul writes this. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. God bless.